everybody, welcome to Breaking Down the Door with Joe Rex Show at Adam Sparks, and this is going to be Excuses or Reasons edition. I, I don't know if we have to have like a, a name or a theme for every one, but, but uh, if we can, we'll do it. So we're going to talk, we're talking hoops this week, we're talking, well, we're going to first talk about Bryce Drew's team, we're going to talk a little bit about the Vanderbilt women's team and the Lady Vols uh, with a Super Bowl Sunday matchup coming up, and you know, basically, Adam, you've got like three coaches in this state, I guess at various stages of, you know, some sort of discord or uh, fan unhappiness, and then one coach with the number one team in the country, if you're talking about the, the two SEC schools and the two basketball teams at each school. But let's start with the Vanderbilt men, who I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to search for positives here. Uh, and I'm trying to, and you have, have thought more about this than me, about the, the sort of the breaking down of what's valid and what isn't in the different things Bryce Drew is saying about his team, which I don't know when this team is going to win a game. Yeah, I, so I was rewinding my brain here throughout the season, really since the Garland injury, of what excuses slash reasons have been given subtly by Bryce Drew well, sometimes overtly, sometimes by by fans, sometimes by you and I, the the, the excuses slash reasons of why they're losing. And I actually have a list of four. Now, another may jump out to you, but I wanted to go back and forth on these of excuse or reason why Vandy is 9-11 and 11 after the Kentucky 9, loss. 9-11 and 0-7. And 0-7 oh is the biggest one, the eight-game losing streak. Okay, so... Uh, reason number one, I, I, I want to go ahead and have a clip set up on, on this from Bryce Drew after the Kentucky loss. 87-52, by the way. Yeah. And For but, anyone who didn't enjoy that <laughs> basketball game. And you may have turned it off because it's 45-15. to 15. Ugh, that's a... Uh, that's closer to a tennis score than if you think about it. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> it was not quite 40 love, but it was right. ugly. Okay, so um, so th- one of the early comments from Bryce Drew when asked about why they lost, why they played so poorly, this is the reason that he gave. You, you, you know, I, I, I think guys are playing hard. I think we're playing as guys that are faster. You know, guys are just faster. Um, they're bigger, they're longer right now. And, and you know... We could have quit at halftime very easily and, and, you know, really been embarrassed in the second half. But, you know, in the huddles, you know, guys were, were, were focused. You know, they, they, they were talking to each other like we're not, you know, we're going to keep fighting this whole game. And, and as a coach, you know, I'm encouraged with that. You know, there were some plays that, you know, confidence probably comes in. We had some fast breaks. We went right through our hands that we should have had dunks. And, you know, those are things that, you know, hopefully – you know, hopefully we're going to start making those plays because we can't win games when we turn it over 20 times. And we're not going to win games when we do that. So faster, what, stronger, longer, he said there. Those are all, you know, they're more athletic. They're, they're bigger. They're better than us. Is that an excuse or a reason for losing to Kentucky? Well, I mean, I, I, think, it's, I think it's a valid reason for losing to Kentucky. It's not a valid reason for losing by 35 to Kentucky for being down 30 at the half. And I know Bryce Drew said multiple times after the game he was proud of his team for not quitting. He you know, said the team could have quit at halftime. They only lost, you know, in the second half by five. <laughs> but I mean, I think both teams were basically on cruise control in that second half. So 
I don't think it's a valid reason for playing like that. You you can be more competitive with Kentucky. Yeah, I thought it was an odd explanation the way he put it, and I wrote this in a story uh, today that Vandy is is vying for wins within losses and still losing. In Ooh, that he that's said, a "Good line." Yeah, and that he said, uh, Bryce Drew said, "You know, really, our goal was to win the second half. We only lost by five after losing by thirty in the first half. So." It's it's not a it's a yeah I, I'm, I mean I agree with you it's a reason why you don't beat Kentucky any given year now you can roll that one out ten years ago or ten years from now why did you lose to Kentucky they're they're bigger they're str- they have more NBA players than we do is essentially what he's saying but yeah the the lose by that much is I think where we would part ways with Bryce Drew on that one. And, and there's, you always have to keep in mind the different perspectives. Now, of course, it's it's much more in mind when you cover a Kentucky game because the post-game press conference is stuffed with people who cover Kentucky. Right. So, of course, I mean, so many questions for John Calipari and a couple players they brought, and they're all, this team's on the rise. This team is a contender. P.J. Washington has become a star, you know, there's a lot of questions for the Vanderbilt people about comparing Tennessee and Kentucky. But, you know, from that perspective, this was just another example of why Kentucky has become a contender. And I agree with that. So you keep that in mind. They hit shots. And Bryce, I don't I don't disagree with Bryce through point, his point when he said, if that team's making shots, you know, they're awfully tough. Now, I think he also said, you know, if that team's making shots, who's going to beat them? And P.J. Washington, most improved player in the country, and a little bit of hyperbole. But Kentucky really rising up right now is part of this i'm still saying you can't be down 45 15 at home to that team yeah now i will say the uh, okay number one brass drew what he said is that they're just athletically more than we are is correct and sometimes that's one of those things that a coach knows and everybody in the room knows you just don't say it you know they're better than us is essentially what he was saying i do think john calipari and I, i believe it was to your question subtly agreed with him uh, i believe your question was you know what did you do to semi chateau to hold him scoreless and calipari said you know we know how athletic he is how good he is we recruited uh chateau but pj washington's really physical and really long and he was basically saying the same thing now you can you can say well maybe pj washington is just a better version of semi chateau or maybe semi chateau is more like pj washington a year from now and so, so maybe that's the reasoning. But it's, it's. Uh, I think we agree. It's, it's an excuse. So number one's an E. Gets an E. It's an E. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. So number two, Bryce Drew says we are too young. Now, there's actually a couple clips on this one. This was to my question in the post game press conference. Why is it you took Tennessee to the wire a week ago? And you were out of the game within five minutes against Kentucky. And uh, this was Bryce Drew's answer. You know, with youth, you get inconsistency. You know, the, the, the first half um, today, again, we, we were there. And when we took a couple bad shots, we kind of went rogue in the offense and took some bad shots. And, you know, that kind of created that separation. And as a coach, you fear when you play, you know, a team as good as Kentucky, once there gets to be a little separation, you know, all of a sudden it can go to a big separation. At their place, we're able to keep it close and keep the pace under control. But when you get down, you know, obviously it's hard to keep that pace where you want it. And so when you get down against a team like that, you know, when you're doing all you can just to stay in the game, it makes things really difficult. 
So with youth, you get inconsistency, is what he said. And and you heard in the further clip there that, uh, you know, a lot of players went rogue. In other words, you know, things are crazy and I'm just going to take over and I'm going to get out of the structure of the offense, which you do get a lot with youth. But, but before we comment on this, let me, let me have Aaron Neesmith counter that, because I asked him the same thing. Aaron Neesmith, who has played great, I think we both agree that he's going to be a really phenomenal player, a freshman. Yep. Um, and I asked him about his youth. Uh, is that an excuse or is that a reason? Do you agree with your coach? And this is what Aaron Neesmith said. I mean, I understand where he's coming from, as in, like, I know we're, like, the 300th youngest team in Division One, so I understand where he's coming uh, from youth-wise. But, I mean, I'd like to think we're all pretty experienced and uh, we can all do better on the court. So on that, by the way, I wish they would get the stat right. The Bryce Drew keeps saying this. Aaron Neesmith just said it. We're the 300th youngest team or whatever. They're taking that from KenPalm.com, which a lot of us follow in college basketball. It should be the opposite. So it should be they should be like the 50th youngest or 300th, 300th oldest. oldest. Yeah. So, But what they're saying is if you if you line up their ages and all that, they're one of the youngest teams in college basketball. I think the youngest in the SEC right now. But I'll let you take this one first. Too young to win or too young to be consistent, excuse or reason? Well, again, I mean, Kentucky had freshmen all over the floor. And, of course, those are Kentucky freshmen. But Vanderbilt's freshmen include a guy who's probably playing as well as anyone right now. You just mentioned him, Aaron Neesmith. I mean, if you're talking about youth, well, why is the youngest guy seem to have things together more than your juniors? You know, so I I don't – Look, they are not a quote-unquote old team like at Tennessee or some of these terrific teams out there or like a lot of other SEC teams that have more age and experience. But this is college basketball. I mean, Duke is the best team in the country, at least the most talented. They are completely dependent on freshmen. Bryce Drew recruited two quote-unquote one-and-done freshmen. One of them's out of course, and that's a reason – if, I don't know if I'm like ruining your list here, but you know, of course it is. It always has been. It's just a reason that I think when it gets repeated over and over, you, you let people fall back on that too much. But I'm getting off course here. The other one was scoreless against Kentucky, and to me is a mess. And when Bryce Drew talked about Rogue, I asked him if Simi Chateau essentially is who he was talking about, and his answer was no, 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 not Simi. No, but no, I mean, no. Let, t- let me, let me, let me. I was there. Okay, okay. It, it was no, no, no. <laughs> right. I, I think, I think I saw the little, the little thought bubble above his head was no, and he's going to come back next year, and everybody's going to be happy because he'll yeah. be a sophomore in a program. Let's not criticize Simi Chateau. Go ahead. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, that's the thing when coaches talk. I mean, there's always a consideration of their own locker room. Now, some coaches call out players. Which I appreciate, but I also understand that you know there's a risk with that, and all coaches are thinking about recruiting in everything they say. That is somewhere in the back of their mind, and of course, Bryce Stewart would like to have for people who are a narrative I can't stand. Adam is the you got to stop recruiting one and done players. Right. Every single coach recruits talent. Some players become one and done. You don't know it. Some players are supposed to be, and they aren't. I think Simi Chateau to me is clearly in that category unless he's just getting terrible advice. But you recruit talent. You try to get the most talented players you can get. So you don't say, oh, wait, he might be one and done. Oh, no, no, sorry. I know you may be interested in Vanderbilt, but I'm looking elsewhere. I'm right. looking for someone I know is going to be there for you. No, ridiculous. 
I don't even remember what my original point was, but I, I always get uh, uh, flustered with the whole like, are you recruiting one and dones or are you not? Everybody's recruiting. Players. Oh, I assure you, this will be everybody's a po- recruiting this, players. This will be a podcast topic in around March because yeah. what's going to be said if Chateau does leave is, wow, that was a failure. Never get a one and done player again because this just all went south. But that that'll yeah. be in March. Go ahead. Yeah, but as far as youth, I, I don't think it's. I, I mean, look, I think it's an ex- a reason for. Some level of struggling. It is not a reason. Again, we're 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 talking about this level of struggling. No, I, I don't buy that at all. Yeah, we're splitting hairs to some extent, I guess, of, of what it's an excuse or reason for. I'm gonna I'm gonna reclassify what Bryce Drew has said of the too young. I think what he really means is too new. You know, and this goes into the Garland thing, but you know, okay, they have freshmen. I saw somebody on on Twitter commented last night at the game. Well, you know, Kentucky started two or three freshmen or whatever. Those are different freshmen. But Matt Ryan is a what a third year player uh, transfer from Notre Dame. Matthew Moyer is a second, third year player. Yeah, he's uh, a redshirt sophomore. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Yanni Wetzel came from Division two, but he's a redshirt junior. So. Those are all older, quote unquote, older players, but they're all new players. That's a good point. And what the you know the 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 bad mixture here is that without Garland, they ended up with probably unintentionally. I don't I don't know that they could have foreseen this on the front end. They have ended up with a lot of quiet, unassuming role players that are not equipped and not in their personality to kind of take the reins of anything. Who takes the reins on this team eventually is going to be Saban Lee, sophomore, and playing a new position again, and Aaron Neesmith, a freshman who just went in the starting lineup a couple weeks ago. That's who's going to take the reins of this. Simi Chateau is a talented player, but you know he'll admit to you he's very quiet and not terribly emotional. Matt Ryan, whether they knew it or not, I think Matt Ryan is a guy that uh, is going to, you know, blend into the offense and camp out at 25 feet and take shots. And he came here thinking that's what he was going to do. There was no intention of him coming here and saying, I'm going to put this team on my back. He came here saying, well, these are some NBA players. I'm going to blend in here and win a lot of games. You know, Matthew Moyer, I think you could say the same. And also, I think Moyer may have a little bit of the personality that could lead to some extent, but he was inserted, he became eligible during the season. It's kind of hard to do that, and he just arrived in the summer. So you've got a weird one there. Joe Toy is a is most comfortable when he is a role player that nobody notices, a guy that just gets, you know, scrappy, hustle plays, that sort of thing. Not a vocal guy. Cleavon Brown is a guy that hadn't played enough minutes. You can't be – it's kind of hard to be a leader when you're getting like six minutes a game. So we can go on and on down the list. Yanni Wetzel does not have that personality at all. And he's also – you know, a lot of these guys, Moyer and Ryan and Wetzel and the freshmen, are all guys that are trying to figure out how to earn their spot and make their mark on a team. You know, it's not – it's not selfish, but, you know, when you come in for your first year, I need to make sure I earn my keep, you know, and then I'll worry about the team later. And I think that's what everybody is doing right now, and which is why you get rogue plays in the offense and that sort of thing. I'm just trying to stay on the floor. I hope we win, but I'm just trying to not be the problem. Yeah, I mean, those are all good points, and I think the newness thing is, yeah, it probably is a better way to put it because, you know, players do have to build chemistry with each other, and these players – 
had been practicing in roles, many roles that changed at least slightly when Darius Garland went down. So I get all that. One guy I don't think you mentioned was Saban Lee. And and that, to me, again, we talked about last week, but I mean, he's the guy. And even in this game, you know, when everything is going wrong, he's still trying to go in there and dunk on the whole team. Like, I, I still think, and he's a guy who's talking after most of these losses. I still think there's a lot of potential there for him. And I think that's, it's a huge key to me moving forward is that he gets more comfortable with his own voice. And I don't think that's natural for him, but but he's an aggressive kind of player and a talented kind of player. He can get by any player in this league he wants to. And by the way, you mentioned a lot of guys who can play in this league, which again is part of the disappointment here. That don't fit well at all. Yeah, but no, I mean, obviously that's that's happening. But again, like we are a week removed from, and I know it's just one emotional rivalry night, but it, you know it's the sport of basketball. And some of it is as simple as shots go down or they don't. But there are a lot of things that those guys did in concert, in unison, on both ends of the floor that night that put them in position to beat a legitimate number one team in the country. So I don't want to hear that, like, there's just no way this could possibly work or there's it's just the pieces aren't, you know. I mean, we've seen it work enough to know that there are other things happening. My question for you on this, though, who went rogue? Because to me, the only guy that I'm watching and saying he's just kind of just doing whatever is mm-hmm. Simisha too. Yeah. Now maybe others, you know, bad shot selection here and there. Sure. I mean, actually, if if you want to talk about going rogue, Matt Ryan, anytime he gets a the ball in rhythm and he's open and he doesn't shoot, he's going rogue. Right. But that's I don't think what Bryce Drew was talking about. No. No. Yeah. Matt Ryan should not head fake open at 23 feet. And he- Simisha too should not shoot that shot ever. Right. So you need to swap brains there for a minute. And, there you go. Yeah, Simi, you want to shoot from twenty three? Hang on, let me let, let, let me swap you and Matt Ryan because <laughs> Matt Ryan needs to be shooting that. Uh, you know, Matt, Matthew Moyer sometimes I think will just pull up from three. And that's a good point. If he's wide open, I, that, I'm okay with that. Same with Cleavon Brown. Actually, both of them can hit open threes, but, but just not really what you want. No, you don't want them taking a dribble, stepping back, and what, what you know, what are you doing? You know, yeah, I think I think it's Simi. Uh, Simi is trying really hard to find his spot in the offense, and with Darius Garland out there, it was you couldn't see the holes in his game as much. Run, grab the ball, dunk it, get in the open floor, make a pass. Has great vision, really good in transition. Uh, when you Simi Chateau does not have a go-to move offensively. We've talked about this before. He he doesn't have a post move. He dribbles once right, spins to the left. He he does not leap well off two feet. He's up good off one foot because he's used to being in transition. There's a lot of holes in his game, offensively and defensively, that I'm sure NBA scouts are seeing, and maybe they think they can fix. I would argue that they could be fixed more by staying in college a little longer, but that's a different podcast. You know, Saban Lee is interesting because he's had turnovers two of the last three games, but he's scored 60 points in the last three games. He's, uh, he's shooting his free throws better. I yep, mean, you know, again, the pressure, the pressure is different in some of these games. That's one but. point shy of the best three-game stretch he's had in his career. Last last year, once, he had 61 points in three games. So he's scoring. I think he's figuring it out. I, I think I look at Saban Lee and say, I can see a point in the future where he has the whole thing figured out. Simi Chateau is going backwards and doesn't seem to really know where what to do what to do with the ball, how to fit into the offense, a lot of things. So 
excuse or well, well we didn't we, we, excuse. I'm going to give a little bit of a reason because I say it too new. I think they didn't foresee Garland being out and the newness of these players altogether is somewhat of a reason why it's not working. You go ex- straight excuse. Right? Well, I mean, the way you put it with newness, I'm 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 shading. You know, it's like shades of gray here, man. Okay, but uh, it's still with shade toward the excuse. Okay, reason number three for why Vandy's losing right now: Darius Garland is not on the floor. Excuse or reason? Well, it's it's a reason, no question. It's also and you know, written it multiple times. Now we've talked about it multiple times. And it, and it goes in tandem with, you know, and again, I, I think I know what Bryce Drew was telling his team, you know, we're playing five on eight. That's what Chateau shared Monday. And I think the idea, of, I gather that it's Bryce Drew saying, but you know what, you can't worry about that stuff, which is fine. But you still said it, and now your player repeated it. And you talk about Darius, and I'm sorry, but coaches use, we've talked about this, coaches use media to talk to their team. And that's a, that's an area where Bryce Drew needs to improve not saying like I, I want every coach we cover to be as honest and just tell us everything, of course. But to me, I just feel like publicly that has been utilized too often, and it it's just an excuse for these guys. And I don't, I think that's been a mistake. But regardless, it's absolutely a reason. well. I think I think with Bryce, I think using excuses internally with guys or reasons works if you're a bad cop coach. If you're a bad cop coach and you're beating guys over the head, not literally. Which but, clearly Bryce is. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. When you're when you're good that's cop a joke. When you're good cop coach and then you stack on top of that excuses in your rhetoric, it, it doesn't work. It's it's encouragement stacked on excuses, stacked on more encouragement, and there's there's not enough criticism there. If you're bad cop coach and you're bludgeoning these guys and you're like, Okay, listen, I understand there's reasons while we're having setbacks here. But, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But with Bryce Drew, it's more of, I believe in you guys, everything's going to be okay. And I understand why we're not winning. It's because of these reasons. Now, I will say Saban Lee said after the game that behind closed doors, he's more critical than we think he is. Well, he said, you know, the the, the quote he said was like, like have more pride than this or something right. along those lines, right? Right. So that there's some of that, and and they that was at halftime, and they responded by playing pretty well or better in the second half. Joined Kentucky in 20 minutes of cruise control. Uh, okay, if you want to restate it like that, they were better than down 30. Yeah, they weren't. Yeah, they didn't lose by 30 again. Yeah, of course you can say why not say that on the front end of the game or at the first time out or or something. So no Darius Garland. Uh, that is a reason. Again, we'll go back to the shades of things. That's a reason that they would be three and four in SEC yes. play, but not zero oh and seven. Well, right, exactly. No, that's the thing. I mean, honestly, the whole list—I don't know what your fourth one is—but I'm going to say excuse, excuse, excuse for this kind of. Well, it, it, my, my, my fourth one works into this. Okay, Re, a reason Do number it. four, reason or excuse: the SEC is really, really good. Yeah, well, that's. Uh, I mean, it's true. Ole Miss, they lost to Ole Miss. Ole Miss is better than we ever thought they would be. They lost to South Carolina in a game. They're you know they're up five late. I mean, you think about some of the good stretches of basketball this team had played, but but it also plays into yeah. We know Ole Miss is good, right? Well, Vanderbilt was right there to beat them, but they were really right there to beat South Carolina, which has played extremely well in the SEC. They were I know there. the game got sideways on them against Tennessee on Tuesday, but actually, I mean, they were really hanging in that game against the Vols, and they've beaten a lot of teams. They beat Florida on the road, and Vanderbilt was 
you know, one technical foul from winning that game, probably. Again, they're one flagrant foul from beating Tennessee. I'm sorry, but that there's too much evidence of this team playing well, even against some of these at least solid SEC teams, to accept the performances against Mississippi State, Oklahoma, and Kentucky. So I don't know how I don't know how, know how that answers excuse or reason. It's true, but it's not an excuse for this. Yeah, and it's uh, it's it, I think it's more of an excuse because SEC play did not happen a week after Darius Garland got injured. SEC play started what a month and a half after, so could have figured out some things to. You know, I, I feel for the team because if you play this schedule five years ago, the SEC would have more gimmies at the bottom of it. It doesn't now. Vandy is the gimme right now, it seems, yeah. in the conference. You know, Ole Miss is better than we thought they would be. South Carolina is better than we thought they'd be. But Vandy had a chance to win both of those games. Tennessee's phenomenal. They had a chance to win that game. Kentucky is really good. In Rupp, Vandy had a chance to win that game. So there's something, there's a lot of things missing from yes, this Thank team. you for mentioning that. Yeah. I mean, we saw these two same teams, and I know Kentucky's playing better. But in Rupp, and that was Same in teams in Rupp, and Vanderbilt jumped all over them at the start, and it was still very much a game, really, the whole way. Yeah. So, so I think by my count, the four reasons slash excuses, we're going to go about two and a half to three excuses, one to one and a half reasons, somewhere in there. That sounds fair. So I'm so looking at the SEC. If you were, because you, know, you always you, you kind of try to tier a conference at some point. So I've got the big two. It's the big two. Sure. It's Tennessee, Kentucky, and that's uh, nationally they're in the same. And I tier. understand that LSU is six and zero in the league, sixteen and three, very good team. I'm still putting LSU at the top of the list of good teams, and I would also put Ole Miss in there. I would still put Mississippi State in there. I would put Auburn in there. Now that's probably your list of NCAA teams, and then you've got your so you got your big two, your good, whatever that is five. Then you've got your like so so, which would be Alabama, Florida, which should be better, South Carolina, Arkansas. Okay, I mean this is this is just a total mess. I can't even keep the math. And then you got your bad. Georgia, Texas A and M. I'm going to go Missouri. They're they they've really hit the skids. And so Georgia got, so you, was ugly for Vandy. Yeah, and that's a game they could have won. Sure, but that was yeah that was a again what I think we see with this team. And again, I hate quit. I think quit is a huge word to use. I I I, I use it very very sparingly because I don't think it's Unins- I, I, uninspired. I think yeah, and and I just think that you lose focus and intensity. And so you haven't quit, but you just you you get demoralized. There's some there's an in between there, and that's happened too often to Vanderbilt. And then, but I would say, although bad three, bad two, decent, however good, however big two, and then one at the bottom. It's Vanderbilt. I mean, that shouldn't be. Vanderbilt has. I mean, Vanderbilt has a better team than Georgia. I'll right now tell you, Vanderbilt has a better team than Georgia. You know, they got bombed. In the second half, and Georgia, you know, some games it is. Some games it's, yep, this team just hit everything. This team, you know, couldn't make a layup. That happens in basketball, but it should not be this way. Well, you and I will be at another basketball game this week. Lady Vols at Vanderbilt on Super Bowl Sunday. Need to get out of there. that one quickly if we're going to make kick off a national anthem. But <laughs> <laughs> Tennessee is not very good. They're okay. 
Vanderbilt is not very good, but there's maybe a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel yeah, there. Well, they, they got a win. They needed a win. You know, just like the men's team needs a win. They were competitive against South Carolina. They're winning team. at halftime. It was a competitive loss. Lily Carter is. I remember two years ago, actually, the Lady Vols Vanderbilt game, and she was the clear bright spot. And that, that game was a total mismatch of athleticism. Uh, Stephanie White's first year. But Lily Carter was the one player who could match up with anyone on the other side and, and you know, go at them athletically. And then, of course, last year, injuries. And I was surprised. I think we both thought, you know, this is a rising, emerging player. And then last year, I think injuries were part of the deal. But now it looks like she's reemerged. And then you wonder, I mean, if, I think if you get her going like she is, and we know Fasula is a really nice player inside, and then you get, if you can get Chelsea Hall going, who's still kind of coming off the bench and not playing a ton, that's a that could be a really intriguing combo if they're not just, you know, playing one or the other yeah Chelsea but Hall I know had, that's not easy to do sometimes Chelsea Hall had an injury and then a re-injury and I think they're trying to limit her minutes because they don't want a re-re-injury uh, aggravate uh, the injury she had earlier so they're they're kind of weaning her back into the lineup uh you know I, I mean I think the I think the overwhelming topic of this game if you look at both sides is the coaches and their 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 long-term tenure their status Holly Warlick and uh, Stephanie White let, let me ask it to you this way. Which would have the greater impact on the future of these coaches, that Stephanie White beats the Lady Vols or that Holly Warlick loses to Vanderbilt? Which of those has a bigger impact on their tenure? How, does, does, could Holly Warlick end up being fired and losing to Vandy have a lot to do with that? And could Stephanie White prolong her tenure because, well, you know, she beat the Lady Vols, which is huge. I think it's more, you know, being the negative columnist that I am, it's more to the negative with Holly. But I, I don't think that would be overriding. I mean, I think the longest SEC losing streak in history, longest losing streak in history, all these firsts that are happening yeah, there's a lot of bullet are more points. damaging. It would certainly, it would fall right in. And, and I think, I actually, I think Vanderbilt has a chance in this game. I really do. I'll, you know, Tennessee's playing better, but... You know the schedule's lightened up too, but I I think that this would definitely be damaging to Holly. Would it be helpful to Stephanie? Of course, but I mean it's still it's her third year too. Like, like it's the same thing with Bryce Drew. I mean I'm going to say the same thing about him. And I'm going to say about her. I know that things aren't going well right now and people are unhappy, but I mean you do have to give coaches and the ultimate example, of course, the ultimate example is like I think of some of our friends in talk radio here. I won't name names, Adam, but. Like Mike Shashevsky's first three years, he was like, you know, 30 games under 500. Right. I mean, it was like there was no reason to think Duke would ever be good, mm-hmm. would ever compete at all with Virginia, North Carolina, NC State. I mean, there was no reason. This guy was just out of his element. This, he came from Army. Who the heck is this guy? I can't spell his name. I can't say his name. He stinks. So, you know, they stuck with him. We know what happened. Not saying that's happening here with either of these coaches, but I am saying that, like, whether she beats the Lady Vols or not, to me, Stephanie White is is owed more time to see what she can do. And how what is she recruiting for next year? What happens if she could, puts a full roster together? Why are players leaving? I mean, there's a lot of valid questions, and you got to win at some point. But I I just don't, I don't know how much of a shot in the arm would it be like? Would it be more helpful to beat the Lady Vols and then end up like 
with two, three wins in the SEC or lose this game and have like six, seven. I think I'd take the six, seven, wouldn't you? And just, I think that's more beneficial. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't going to go Coach K, my football mind, on Super Bowl week. I was going Belichick with the Cleveland Browns. Oh, that's okay. where I was going to go, stick with, with the With his defensive coordinator, Nick Saban, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. It, it was actually really, really good staff overall. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Stephanie could really, really help herself by winning this one. Losing this one, especially if it's close, doesn't really change. The people that are with her are with her. Those that are against her are against her. And I don't think that would change in a loss, especially a close loss. Yeah, Holly, I think if she lost, yeah, it would be a bullet point. It'd be one of many. It would hurt it would it would it would hurt Holly in that it would look like she could not, number one, get her team up for a rival, and number two, could not get her team up for a rival that's bad right now, or that's struggling at least. Um and so uh, Knoxville would not react well to that. I do think with Stephanie long term, uh there's there's something there. You know, there's there's more athleticism on the team than there was those first couple of years. She's shown that she can recruit. You know, you can parallel a lot of things with Stephanie and Bryce right now. Of they're bringing in the highest rated players, four star, five stars that that Vandy has had. They just qu- can't quite figure out how to use them, or maybe how to get some breaks with injuries and those sort of things. But I, I do agree with you that they, they they have a chance in this game. There's more athleticism, which in the past UT has been far more athletic. They still are, but not by a wide margin. The in the past Vandy has just not had the size. They have bigs now. They have Fasula. They have Newby. They can compete uh, in the paint a little bit. They can defend in the paint. And you know if Vandy hits shots. They can they can be in that game. I just when I look at the Lady Vols, I don't see I don't see a team that's feared by anybody. And no, and it's and it's an it's somewhat like the Vanderbilt men. It's an incomplete team. They don't have everything they need. They don't have yeah. all the pieces. And they've you know they've had a lot of games where they've just just not made plays late. They could they could have a very different record right now. A lot of close losses. So to sum up, we're saying Lady Vols Vandy women will be a somewhat close game. And to sum up, too, if we're talking about the two Vandy coaches, I mean, the difference right now at this moment is that we are seeing some progress from Stephanie White's team, and we're not seeing that, especially in the last two games. I mean, we're seeing the opposite of progress from Bryce Drew. But the difference also in those two is that Bryce Drew went to the NCAA tournament in his first year with another coach's players, and Stephanie White has not had that. So you can really you can really make arguments and counterarguments either way with both of those they're both going to come into next season with enough talent to win at a reasonable level and they're going to have to do it yeah but of course a lot i mean both a lot to prove and demonstrate this year so we'll be back next week breaking down the doors and maybe we'll even get in some football and athletic director talk thanks for listening